I got a LinkedIn request this morning saying, I just listened to your episode with Marilyn Barefoot, the last episode, and oh. it's 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 amazing because I just got fired. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how to respond to that. I just, I said timely, you know, like, I don't know. Um, you know, that's mm-hmm. not, there's nothing positive to say about that. I just kind of like, yep. Yep. Got fired. Uh, <clears throat> yep. There we go. But here we are with another episode of dismissed the podcast about getting let go and letting go of getting let go and how we can move on from the hurt. And I said something, I'm going to, I'm going to go find it, but I said something to someone who wanted to be on the podcast and they had reached out and they said, I would be on your podcast. And my response to them, I I, I feel just, it's so insightful. (laughs) And I'm really proud of myself sometimes. Very, very rarely though, Tom, very rarely. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I've rarely known you to be insightful. Yeah. Mostly it's, it's, um, well, you do incite inciting i'm an inciting person Mm -hmm. um okay so what i said was because he had said i just got let go from such and such and i was like man it can't be too fresh so i said this the podcast isn't about the hurt of being fired but how you can move on from it uh if it's too fresh it becomes more about the wound and not about the healing and what I want to focus on with the podcast is about the healing, regardless of how soon it has been for me getting let go for me starting this. Because I think that I think there's no advantage to just commiserating. Commiserating is great over a drink. It's no good on a podcast. <laughs> no. Feels good at the time, but where did it get you? That's right. That said. This is a new episode, and I do have someone who I've known for, oh my God, it's got to be 25 years. Easy. Yeah. And uh, it is an absolute joy to sit down and talk with you, Tom Green, not the one people may think, but the one that always pops into my mind. Yeah, that would be me. Yeah. Do you want to introduce yourself real quick, Tom? Sure. I'm uh, Tom Green. I, I'm an author, tutorialist. I work with uh, LinkedIn. I got all kinds of courses up there. I uh, am a teacher, an educator, uh, basically. Oh, yeah. And of course, I'm retired, but I'm not <laughs> retired. <laughs> if When people ask me, why, are, why, how are you retired? And I said, I'm not retired. I am post-employed. The day I, <laughs> because the day I left Humber College, I, I, no kidding, the day I left Humber College, I notified my uh, content manager, Scott Fajet, at LinkedIn Learning, said, look, uh, I'm now a free man. So if there's anything you've got for me, uh, feel free to let me jump in. <clears throat> and I turned into a bicoastal existence the next right. day. Right. I'd be like three weeks in Toronto, a week in Los Angeles, fly home another three weeks back to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. It became pretty cool. Pretty cool. I've been doing that ever since. So post-employment worked out for you. <laughs> well, let's just say that it was not expected, which is kind of like my whole career here. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I never went in with a plan. You know, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, you know me as well as you pro- most others that I have a big mouth. No. <laughs> what? No. Yeah, oh, I know. I hold know. on. 
Yeah. And I don't suffer fools gladly and yada, mm. yada. But everything that I've done has been purely accidental, but somehow or other, it managed to work out. So, you know, post-employment, it's not bad. You know, I left Humber and thinking, okay, fine, I'll live on, you know, my CPP and uh, all those uh, government benefits plus my pension from Humber, right. which gave me, you know, a, a real hit on the income. <laughs> LinkedIn jumped in and said, let's do all this stuff. And I'm now making more that, with all that stuff combined than when I left Humber. So I'm a happy camper. Well, that's a, that's the kind of camper we need. And, and it's funny when you said I had no plan. I don't know if you remember the show Deadwood. Yep. At all. So Swearingen, Al Swearingen has a great line. I, I, I always forget exactly how he says it, but I looked it up and it's, he says, announcing your plans is a good way to hear God laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. think there's nothing wrong with not having a plan. I always, I always say that I've, I've stumbled through my career this entire time. And that's probably why I haven't climbed any kind of ladder in any significant way, but it also means that I have not I don't feel like I've given up a lot of my soul in the in the meantime. You know, there's never a minute in all the years that I've been employed where I said, "Good God, you know, did I make a huge mistake?" <laughs> I mean, I because made every, several every time, big mistakes. <laughs> well, yeah, we've all made huge mistakes, but every time, because every job I've ever had, I've been fired from or let go or quit. Right. Um, but I never really said, well, you know, that's that sucks. And I you know, went off to lick my wounds for mm -hmm. about a year and a half and bitched everybody. I just moved on. What did I learn from this? Okay, fine. And then suddenly the phone rings and I'm off doing something I never expected I'd be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the advantage to the industry we are in or were in or, you know, the, the life that we chose. Um, I am very curious about the Humber thing. And, and, you know, we were talking about this pre-episode, but I, I really want to get into this and it, sure. it's, it's so, it's so interesting. And especially now uh, as a, as a topical moment, you know, we watched Lisa Laflamme from CTV news get released mm -hmm. and, and, you know, as she's, she's saying like, Oh, well I went gray and they didn't like it and they made comments about it. And there, of course the bell me is backpedaling and whatever, but, this does bring me to a very, a very important topic, and that's ageism. And you, as someone who could, in theory, be retired, have been putting up with it for the entire time I've known you, at any yep. rate, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, the main point I make about ageism, and it really is important, is that it's easy when it, you know it when it happens, but try proving it. Yeah. And... You know, I've I've put up with it for years. Um, you know, as you and I discussed pre-show, when you and I first met, I mean, your first reaction was, "Who let the old guy in here?" And I, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, well, I'm, no, no, Hugh, <laughs> no, no, no. What you had said was, I would walk in and and stand at the speaker's spot, yeah. and a whole bunch of dudes in black would yep. go 20 somethings in black with 20 early 20 somethings in black would say who let the old guy in and i put my hand up and said i was one of those people yeah 
And, you know, that was par for the course. Sure. And you remember the time that at that time, Hugh, um, it was all 20 somethings for sure. And it was all these uh, cool dudes that were doing cool stuff and, uh, you know, just being terminally cool. And then in comes this guy with a shirt and tie. And, <laughs> and I don't know if the shirt and tie helped at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody had to bring class to the proceedings. Brother, so, dad. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and then they'd, you know, there'd be this pause and they'd look at me and it'd be, oh, my God, who let the old guy in? Oh, this is going to be a disaster. Yeah. And then I just let loose and they go, holy shit. He yeah. knows his shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, the advantage, the advantage was, and I'm sorry to interrupt, the advantage was, and I'd said, like, you know, the first impression may not have been great, but the lasting impression was mm -hmm. gold. You know, yeah. you you consistently proved. I mean, if you had showed up once. And it was like, you just were like, fuck it. I can't do this again. You showed up and, and you you put the effort in and, and you won. And I hate, I hate that that's the way it is, but you won us all over and it, you won me over. I mean, it took a little while, <laughs> but it had, it had less to do with age. And I think it had less to do with age and more about the fact that we are incredibly alike when socially. Yeah. So I, I never, I, I tend to really bristle at people who are like me because I know what a jerk i am so i i do that with with very little guile i am not the best but i can be super fun and you can be super fun and together we're you know yeah it's like oil and oil yeah <laughs> yeah but it, it really is quite interesting that you know uh carving out the career i have you know i i'm always the oldest person in the room always right and it, it it really is quite interesting to see how people's attitudes towards me change because that you you're absolutely correct about that first impression. What are we going to learn from this old guy? For right. sake, you know, yeah, we're on the cutting edge of this stuff, and this old guy walks in. What's going on here? And then yeah. I just rock and roll, and away we go. Mm -hmm. But you know, it, it, it's subtle. Uh, that's the thing about ageism. It's subtle. As I said, you know it when you see it, yeah. but you can't prove it. Yeah, now, I could never stand in front of a group and say, okay, so you're looking at me, I'm an old guy, so what? So mm -hmm. tell me why you're why you don't want to have anything to do with me or or why you think I'm useless. And mm -hmm. rather than you know get into that basically negative conversation, it, it I just here I go. Here's what I know. And if you don't like me, so what? There are six billion other people on the planet. I'm yeah. not going to miss you. Yeah. In a lot of situations, in a lot of situations wherein people are confronted with their biases, biases, they tend to get really defensive because they may not have been willing to accept that that's what they've done, you know? Mm -hmm. And you see it off. It's funny. I watched an, an, a, 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 a section, a bit of video about on Survivor where a person of color talks about how survivor typically the members or the contestants will vote off the people of color in succession until it's just white people playing mm -hmm. and the, and the and this white guy got defensive and it was like he goes what you're calling me racist and she goes no 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 hold on a minute that's not what i was saying and he he started wait calm down and it became this really defensive thing when you're not ready to have the conversation it becomes quite confrontational when you're ready to have the conversation it's because you're you're kind of experiencing something similar or you are more willing to accept that that's what's happening. And mm -hmm. I, I became more willing to accept that that's what was happening. And, yeah. it, and I think that that's, 
confrontational and constructive are obviously opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to conversation. And I, I, you know, and I think, like I said, you won me over and it became, it became me and, and people of my ilk who started to be your advocates within, if you, if I ever heard anybody say, who's that guy, I'd be like, that's Tom fucking green. You know what I mean? And that's, and that's, and that's how everything sort of started to change in in my mind. Anyways, don't, you know, respect me for what I know. Don't, don't disrespect me for what I am. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I actually experienced the opposite of ageism, Mm. Uh, but I had to leave the country to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm almost hesitant to ask, but please. (laughs) (laughs) So I spent, as you know, I've spent a number of years traveling around China, teaching at universities. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And when I would show up for a lecture, and there'd be like 1,500 students in this lecture hall. Right. And I would walk in, and it would be like the gods had descended from heaven. And basically, what the culture does is respect its elders. And right. So that was that was kind of neat. But it also, it kind of disturbed me because, well, you know, the way I am. And, you know, I would talk to them and they'd, they'd lower their chin and not look me in the eye. And I'd have to touch their chin and pull, pull them up to look at me and say, look, I don't come down from the heavens. Just call me Tom. Don't call me Professor Green or Sir. Mm-hmm. That's my dad. And let's talk. And once I broke through that, it, we had some great conversations and great times, but it was really quite trying to come back yeah. to Canada. <laughs> Where'd this old guy come from? <laughs> or, you know, you're not qualified to teach this course because you don't have the qualifications. Mm-hmm. Now, what qualifications? You know, um, it's just on and on and on. The ageism thing is, is, is super critical to me. And it, it's it's funny because having come out of the conversation with Marilyn, where where she talks a lot about misogyny and and uh, you know the value of a woman in the workplace and and how in the early two thousands that was a a real problem and 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 trying to deal with uh, sexism and stuff like that, I, I am I'm very interested in talking with you about your experience uh, and and ageism because I think I think often we. And I, I'll, I'll let my I'll let myself into this. Often we sort of we rely on the person who who is being persecuted is the wrong word, but it, who who has been wronged to tell us how they've been wronged and how do we fix it? Which is, you know, obviously, you know how white people get away with tons of shit because they just go, "Well, you tell me how I've done the bad thing, and you tell me how to fix that bad thing." So when it comes to ageism, I actually can recall you talking about, uh, and I know that we we don't really want to get too deep into the Humber conversation, but I remember you talking about how you were getting these little s- subtle and not so subtle sort oh, yeah. of comments and and like, hey, maybe this is time for you to move on yeah. green, greener mm-hmm. pastures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you as I said, you know it when it's happening, but you can't prove it. And in any organization, the guys that have been there the longest all know each other. Mm -hmm. And we started noticing a subtle shift in attitude towards all of us. Right. And, you know, we started talking to each other. And then all of a sudden, 
we all started dropping like flies. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, the retirement started busting out all over the place. Yeah. And the common factor was is that basically the, the heat was being put on and uh, it was time to move on. You know, I always had an attitude with my students, Hugh, that was, well, it wasn't an attitude, it was just something I would tell them, is that when it this business stops being fun, get out, make room for someone younger and go drive a beer truck because all you're looking for is a job. Right. And it stopped being fun. That was that was basically it. And when it stopped being fun, that's when I said, "Okay, I'm out. Let's let's find a way to cut the uh, cut the cord, so to speak." Mm-hmm. So that took a couple of weeks, but you know, it came to an end, and that was that. But yeah, it's it's uh, very subtle, very subtle. Yeah. And like I said, you, you just can't. It's just little things, like you know. Um, you know, you would do, I would do a course description and then it would just be torn to shreds. Right. And yet it would follow everything down and just these. And then, you know, the faculty, the younger faculty would sort of, you know, look at me as being an elder, but higher up. Well, no, hold on. You know, right. is he is he current with the technology? And my my point was, well, how many fucking books have you written? How many tutorials <laughs> have you done? And by the way, you know, I've got thirty thousand people have taken this course that you told me I'm not qualified to teach. Like, come on, give me a break here. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but you know, for the last two years of my tenure at Humber. I mean, it was a great time. I really enjoyed it, but it was time to go. It literally was time to go. My plan yeah. was to retire at 70, but it stopped being fun, Hugh. Yeah. And that's when it became a job. And that's when I said, that's it. I'm out. Do you not see how everything happened with your career as being unique to you? Like, oh, yeah. I, I see it as being very unique to you. Like, oh, yeah. Leaving oh, yeah. Humber and then immediately jetting off to San Francisco is not something that a, a lot of people could do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I always tell people when they ask about <laughs> what I've done, I, I feel like Chance uh, in the movie being there. He was okay. uh, the gardener. Peter Sellers was the gardener. And he just yep. happened to be there at the right time. Right. And it just... I always just happened to be there. I mean, I got into teaching because I was working uh, with my own little company. I'm doing okay. You know, I was happy. And I was looking for something else. Two phone rings one day. It's my journalist, my old journalism professor saying, hey, you ever thought thought of teaching this shit? Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, I'm teaching. Right. Uh, I'm on a bulletin board in the late 90s for Macromedia Director. And somebody from... Uh, some pissant company jumps in and says, anybody want to write a book about director? Right. And I thought, well, shit, I got a ton of coastware. Why not? Right. So he signed the contract and 20 books later, and I'm now on my 21st. That's how that started. Yeah. You know, uh, I got into speaking basically through the books and other things. Didn't plan on it. Uh, spent 10 years in China because somebody from Flash and T.O. happened to know somebody in China. Mm-hmm. And the next thing I know, boom, 10 years in China. Uh, <clears throat> I got into working with LinkedIn because somebody had read one of my books 
and I started with lynda.com. Right. And that was in 2007. Did I say one day, well, I want to become you know, a LinkedIn author? No, it just happened. Yeah. And well, I mean, there's there's very <laughs> not to, not to say it, nothing just happened. You there are there are decisions you made where you accepted things and said, "Oh, yes, I'll do that." And 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 those are very easily traced one step to the other. Link, LinkedIn or Linda from the books, from the speaking to the, you know, that, that, once you said like Flash and Teo, someone from Flash and Teo knew someone. I mean, those are, those are very, that's a web, (laughs) right? That's not incidental, right? That's, that's like a, people said, well, this guy can do talks. Maybe he could talk to people in China. Maybe it's teaching. And then Linda is like, you've written a bunch of books. Maybe you should do some LinkedIn or do some learning less. I don't know what Linda.com used to be learning. And well, it's, yeah, well, Linda.com was LinkedIn. LinkedIn and then is, LinkedIn bought Linda.com. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. But, you know, none of this I planned for. Um, I don't have, I've got a community college education. That's it. Right. And yet I have spoken at a conference where I shared the stage with two PhDs. Scared me down to my pants. Sure. <laughs> because PhDs, they like to beat their chest and, you know, lay out their credentials PhDs just know a lot more mono or multi-syllabic words in my experience PhDs they learn to talk and that's the big difference between a PhD and and Captain College over here is well I I can tell you about about that one so I'm on the uh, stage with two of the biggest names in uh, distance education Mm -hmm. again uh why I was there, somebody at well, Macromedia. that means there's three of the biggest names in distance yeah. education, <laughs> at two that of them time, had PhDs. Well, they were calling me professor, which was kind of weird. Yeah, perfect. So, perfect. So, anyway, these two guys do their presentations, and I come up third, and they all sort of slotted into each other. I come up third, and I'm standing there at the front, and I look out on the audience, and I'm seeing all these blank looks, and it suddenly hits me there's something wrong here. So, I <laughs> pointed down to a couple of Air Force colonels or majors that were sitting in the front row. And I said, you understand what these guys said? They said, no. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, okay. Okay. Well, here's the difference between them and me. They know how to talk about it. I know how to do it. Ooh, <laughs> shots fucking fired. <laughs> Come on now, Tom. That's not how you... That's not yes, how you make, That's not how you make friends. <laughs> no. <laughs> but what it did was it tied everything together. They yeah. suddenly had context for what those guys were talking about. Right. And yeah. I've always maintained that, you know, PhDs today, they probably do know how to do it, but they know how to talk more about it than actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, dealing dealing in post-secondary education, especially where the credential is everything. <laughs> I mean, here's a guy with you know, journalism diploma from Humber College on the stage with PhDs and lecturing at universities around the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody cared if I had a degree or a doctorate. Well, we, you know, we, we stumbled into at, a, at the right time to, to get, get notoriety. Now that your career is is would you would you consider this to be the sort of the last step before actual retirement? Um, do you sort of feel like you could just keep doing LinkedIn learning till the end of time? That's an excellent question. Uh, it really is. Um, I really don't have a roadmap. Uh, mm. 
I figure that I'll do it until they stop asking. My, <laughs> no, the, the, this is a very important point here. No, 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 uh, and I'm not, I'm not no, laughing no, no, about no, that. No, 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 no. I have had the attitude right from the start mm-hmm. that this whole thing that I'm doing and being a name and all that stuff, that's fun. That is absolute fun. Mm-hmm. And I'm still not looking for that beer truck. But my attitude was, when it ends, I'm going to look back on it and go, damn, that was a ride. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen too many people actually take the opposite attitude. Well, I'm still famous. Come on, come on, come on. Pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. It's over. (laughs) I started a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. It's over. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, that was a terrible way to say it. But I, I think it's, I think it's really great. Like, like part of, part of it is it's not about fame. Mm -mm. It's never been about fame. It's always been about the work. And that's yep. always what's really impressed me about you is it's always been about the work. Yep. I, I find that the attention you've gotten, the notoriety you, you've you received over the years has has had zero interest for you. And I've, I've always really appreciated that about you. I've, I feel like that's something that I learned from you, yeah. you know, really early on was it was it was never about someone knowing who you were and it was never about being the biggest person in the room. Mm-hmm. It was always about support. And it, can I, can I give you the one, like some kudos and I know you're going to hate it, but mm-hmm. it was one of the things I always really appreciated about you was you were, you were easily the very first person to support the community that we were in. And I, mm-hmm. I, um, I always loved the fact that you would, you could walk in. It was like, you slap your credit card down, paid for drinks or whatever, paid for whatever you did pay for, but it was like, you just went to the back of the room and it, it, it wasn't about you. Right. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was one of the greatest things. And one of the reasons that I think Humber got as big as it did within our community was because you were the advocate from Humber. You were the one that made us realize that Humber gave a shit about what we did. Yeah. And I, and I want to, I just want to applaud you for that. Cause I think it's, it, it's a, it's a difficult thing for someone to do to set their ego aside and allow it to be the organization they represent and not the person they are. Well, thank you. I, I quite appreciate that. Uh, I can tell you where that started. If you're interested, it's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so in 1998, I somehow or other managed to get myself uh, to attend the uh, Macromedia conference. And I was hanging out with the big hit and director guys. And at the time, uh, I was a nobody, but I knew one guy, just one guy. But I noticed something that really, really bothered me is I was sitting with the names because we'd all bumped into each other on the bbs so it was kind of neat to sort of say hi but i noticed that the conference attendees the people that were actually paying to be there would see us sitting there and they would circle yeah hoping somebody would notice them yeah and i always thought 
no, that doesn't work. And so I, I broke that up real fast by uh, jumping up, introducing myself and asking them, come on, sit down and introduce them to everybody mm -hmm. that was there. Mm -hmm. You know, and I saw this at the flash conferences and I saw this at other conferences I've been to and I've always hated it. Always hated it. People are there to learn from us. We should be accessible to them. Sure. End of discussion. You know, I'm I'm not God's gift to the industry. Never have been, never will be. But, you know, I'm, I'm just as interested in you as you are interested in me. Right. And if you have a question for me, I'm going to answer it. Yeah. No, I, uh, I get these questions on LinkedIn Learning, and I get them from uh, India, for instance. And they're flabbergasted that I even respond. Right. But for me, that's just who I am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm I impart knowledge. And if I don't and I, I don't lie about it either. If I don't know the answer, I probably know someone that does or know where to get the answer. Mm -hmm. So I'll never lie to anybody. Right. I would uh, I I would say um it, from the other side of it, um having been in in a group of speakers and and you know having traveled to wherever um, <clears throat> and not to excuse that, not to excuse the idea of, of, of clumping together as speakers or, or even like finding a quiet spot and yeah. being alone with, with the people that you consider your sort of part-time mm -hmm. friends, um, is that the social battery runs out, mm -hmm. right? The ability to, to be engaging and, and there's no expectation when you're hanging out with the other speakers <laughs> and, and, and people that you know well, but there is, there is a certain expectation when someone wants to talk to you about your talk or wants to dive into what they do and they want you to be engaged. Yeah. So I, so I, I will, I will defend a little bit. Um, oh, go ahead and defend because I agree with you, but not, but not to like, because I also have, have a habit of, of going like, Oh, they're by themselves or, Oh, they're look at them and they're, they're really <laughs> interested. And I, I loved, I remember, I remember um, Natsky, Eric Natsky one time, I said something about like being just exhausted. And he said, and he said, you know, um, enjoy this while it lasts, because at some point they're not going to want you to stand up on stage anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And having someone come up to me now and say like, Oh, I was at your event or, Oh, I heard your podcast. It's so gratifying. It wasn't necessarily gratifying in the beginning because I was just tired all the time. And part of that was because I wasn't built to consistently be social and friendly. And it, and it, I watched you do it and I was always amazed by it, but I always thought you must go home and just pour yourself the biggest drink and drink it as fast as you can. And then stand in the shower with hot water running down and just screaming into the void with being, with being just run out. Cause I would be run out by the end of it. Like, Oh, oh I'm yeah. just, I can't do it. You know? No, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying here. Um, and, uh, the reason for this, I came to the conclusion anyway, for me, me personally, the reason for the speaker gatherings, and this was normal, uh, the speakers would all go off uh, by themselves mm -hmm. and party, Yeah, which was, we would party away from everybody else. And for me, that was great because right. the last thing I need is for some dude 
just be snapping pictures of me having a drink and having a great time and then say, look who I was hanging out with. Wasn't this great? And boy, was he blasted. Yeah. Well, there goes the reputation right out the window. Yeah, so, uh, you're right. You've you're got to right. be you got to be aware of these things. Public space versus the, the private sort of personal community thing that we used to do. You're, you're absolutely correct. It's funny, but I, you know, I can remember in Brighton specifically, we would we would gather together and it would, we had a, a separate space and, and John who, John Davey, who ran the conference would very specifically set up a separate space for the speakers so that we weren't, so that we weren't, we could be embarrassing with each other. And yeah. it wasn't, and it wasn't embarrassing, but it, yeah. you know, the, the three or 400 people that sat and watched us talk that day, or was going to watch us talk the next day, wouldn't have this in their head. Like, Oh, I just watched that guy do a shot and, yeah. and then cough and then, yeah. fall down over that couch or something you yeah. know but i always made it a habit of, to not only hang out in the speaker room because i it, for me it was not hanging out in the speaker room to avoid everybody there was some pretty serious talent in that room and yeah. you think i'm gonna piss away the opportunity to learn from them no mm -hmm. but then i would go out onto the conference floor and visit the booths and talk to people and, you know, just generally get to know people and let them know that, Hey, I'm just like you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting, but the number of people, there were a number of situations in which I would, I would speak to somebody and then the next year they would be a speaker, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and they were just at, at the time that I would have met them, they would be just this eager person. That's like, Oh, I'm also working on this other thing. And then like the next year, that other thing would be absolutely massive. Mm -hmm. You'd be like, Oh, I'm so glad I talked to that person. Cause like, I'm so glad that they kept in touch and here we are. And I'm, and they're just like, Oh, this is great. You know? <laughs> and then the year after <laughs> everybody go, you know, good old, what's his name that invented this technique that everybody's using. <laughs> good old, what's his name? Oh um, yeah. <clears throat> hell of a guy used to, you know, hell of a guy. Used Huge to be part of the, used to be, a, used to be a flash guy. Where is yeah. he now? My eyes doing podcasts or something. Yeah. I don't know. You were not shy about talking about ageism and, and nope. the effects of it and, and the things that you were experiencing. And I thought that that was, I hate to use the word brave, but it was, it was definitely one of the first times I ever heard anybody talking about it. But what I really found interesting was um, people that were sort of chiming in and saying, yeah, I've, I've been running into that too. And of course, mm -hmm. women going, listen, we've been dealing with this for mm -hmm. since, since men made clubs, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So do you find now, um, do you find there's a more welcoming environment to that discussion than there was early on? Because early on, it was more like a yeah, 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 right? Like, yeah, very dismissive. But now do you feel it, it, more people are sort of on board with the? No. the oh, really? Okay. Well, it, it's all perception here. Um, sure. I... You know, I accept I'm comfortable in my skin. You know, I'm going to turn 70 this year. <laughs> That's bonkers to me. That's bonkers yeah. to me. Well, if people find out I'm 70, they go, what? But, mm. you know, if I were to say, but that's that's ageism, they would say, prove it. Right. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Well, but I know yeah. it. Yeah. I know it. 
you know, you, you're shuffled off to the side, you're denigrated, you're harassed, um, you get snide little comments, and, you know, just accept me for what I know, not mm-hmm. for what I am. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think once we get over that hump, then it'll be great. And I, I'm not going to shut up about it. Yeah, I'm not going to be the greatest ageism, you know, voice. I, out there. <laughs> but I'm also, you know, quite clear. You ask me about ageism, I'll tell you, I've experienced it. For sure. Can't, can't You can't prove it, but I've experienced it. Yeah. And it's hard to articulate because it is actions that could be perceived in many ways. Yeah. I think I think in the other the other thing is that if, if it could be proved, it's actionable. It's something that 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 you like, you could say, like, look, I I have been discriminated against based on my age. If you can mm. prove it, that's something that can go to court with, you know, and, yeah, and so it's, it's try very difficult. That's what I that, But that's what I'm trying yeah. to say is like Lisa, Lisa Laflamme couldn't prove it. If I wanted to say, like, I experienced ageism at the last two places I worked. The people I worked with would be like, that's crazy. You're the one who used to talk about being old. I'm like, uh, you sure? <laughs> you know, like, like, I would say I feel old. I feel tired. I'm tired of being here right now. But I don't remember ever saying I'm old. No, I, mean. I do. But I remember people saying to me, like, wow, you've, you, you're very experienced. You have a long history here doing this job. You know what I mean? Like, there are really subtle digs at how long you've been doing something that is them reacting to the fact because i would say like how are you how are you this high up doing this you've only been doing this for three years and they'd be (laughs) and to them that was like me being an a-hole and i'm like well i don't know it used to be you would need to do something for 10 years before you could be considered a senior Mm -hmm. now it's like you could be a senior after three years and have that expectation you know three years in going like, Oh, I should be a senior now. I'm like, I don't, I don't see how that possibly can be true. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I, part of the, part of the problem as I see it anyway, is that we, we, we live in a youth culture. Always have, always, always have. And um, trying to bust through that noise is, is rather difficult mm-hmm. um, in person. You know, there's that there's that perception barrier you got to go through. Mm-hmm. Online, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, because people don't have a clue who you are. They don't even know I'm seventy. They don't even know I'm Canadian. They just know I'm taking this course. This guy's doing it. Great job. Mm-hmm. And then when they find out, it's holy shit. Who let the old guy out? Right. <laughs> well, if you say if you say process instead of process, they know at least you're Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Well, I went processing. To... I'm like nobody says processing. <laughs> so, I would always uh, start my U.S. talks because I'd say I'm a proud Canadian, and I said, "Let's just get this out of the way right now." And go. It's not about you, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I got say it all about, in there. Say about, about you and a. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. I have yet to understand how about is is said wrong. I, I can't. I can't hear it. But every American who may be listening right now, I've said about three times. I hope you're having a chuckle because I don't. Yeah. I don't know how I've said it incorrectly from your ears, but uh, about yeah. about. 
<laughs> I don't know. Doesn't matter. I don't say it that much, so it doesn't matter. I've loved this conversation. It's one. It's one people don't like to have. Oh well, yeah. No, no, no. I, I meant that really. I am loving this conversation. I, I, I didn't mean it facetiously. No, I no, really... no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I am if so it was happy. facetious, I would have rolled my eyes. Went, I'm loving this conversation. But no, I did. seriously, Hugh. Um, it's important that we have this conversation. It really I, is. You know, I, I applaud you for bringing this to the fore. Well, I think, I think, in a lot of, this is frustrating. <laughs> well, listen, as, as a, as a middle-aged white guy it's my job to bring people into these conversations i you know i i i have i would like to think that i have made space for as many different people as i possibly can and i i have made very conscious moves to be that person mm-hmm. uh where i where i wasn't in the past and i i i want to I'm not making up for what I used to do or who I used to be, but I am, I have learned and I'm, I'm trying to be better. And part of being better is having those discussions that possibly would have made 20 year old Hugh go, come on. But now I'm 49 year old. Hugh is 100% aware that this stuff exists. Yeah. Well, (laughs) Hugh in about 10 years, it's your turn. (laughs) <laughs> well, hey, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that I'm already going through it at 49. Yeah. I'm already going through it. Like oh. when, we, when we talk about it, listen, when we talk about, because you weren't in marketing at, you know, whatever age, you know what I mean? At 49, in- going into Humber when you started, because you would have been around my age when all of this stuff sort of came about, right? Mm-hmm. Late nineties, you would have been yeah. in your late forties, early fifties. I've been in marketing the entire time and I have seen myself age out. And I've talked about this before too, is, is like I'm aging out of marketing unless all of a sudden I'm C-suite because only C-suite can be old. Apparently if I'm, if I'm an idea generator, people are shocked by how, how good I am at brainstorming because in their mind, my brain is fuzzy and I can barely remember where I left my keys. Yeah. You know what I in mean? A, in academia, it's the same way. It um, is, hey? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bring in the young guys that just know what the hell they're talking about. And the old guys, well, you know, they're just, they just they're there for the talking. tenure and <laughs> yeah, they're there for the tenure and let's get rid of them. I would, you know, listen, and, and, and I would say part of it was the fact of working at Ryerson, now Toronto Metropolitan University, working at Ryerson for that year with PhD students and master's students and talking a lot with their instructors, with the professors and realizing that, sure, there are some younger professors, um, but there are an awful lot that are, are not that young. And because we're dealing with uh, industries in, in a lot of cases, creative industries where things haven't changed that much I'm, I'm using my hands a lot although this is not yeah. a podcast um where they were older and and yeah. it was totally cool and no one ever really questioned it as far as i could tell i mean we certainly didn't and i it was it was a good it was a good experience for me because it made me recognize that um <laughs> oh my god I was just thinking about the dumb and dumber <laughs> when he goes he goes it's true old people <laughs> although slow and dangerous behind the wheel can have use. 
I was just in the middle of I was in the middle of saying something super positive, and I just thought about Jim Carrey talking about. This is not about, going to be in the podcast. <laughs> this will be in the podcast. What is the idea of like Jim Carrey like talking to the old la- the the elderly lady and waiting to get his wallet back, saying like, "I'll thanks so much for watching my stuff." <laughs> old people, always, while slow and dangerous behind the <clears throat> wheel, can still be useful. <laughs> I always used to uh, when oh, I was used to tell people that we our business what we do this creative thing Mm -hmm. is constantly undergoing fundamental change yeah fundamental and we have to stay current with the technology Mm -hmm. and i always used to tell the deans are we training our students for employment or unemployment right and that was why my impetus to write books and do tutorials and things like that and hang out with guys like you mm-hmm. was that I could see what the, my students needed to know yeah, and learn from the best and take that into my class. And that never really got recognized, never got recognized. Yeah, it was, it was odd. Well, I mean, part of it was, uh, part of it is based off of the conversations I had with, with administrations at schools, what I would say, well, your, your course isn't adapting fast enough. And they would always say like, well, do you know what it takes to write a course? And I would, or to, to get approval for a course. And I would be like, "Mm, no, because I don't have to give a shit. And it was, and it was always this funny, like, well, we can't introduce new technology to a course because that has to go through provincial approval and this new, you know, the, oh, yeah. the, the, the interminable um, slowness with which so much bureaucracy resides. My old Dean, my former Dean, Mr. William Hanna, who I just absolutely adored, mm-hmm. um, showed me how to get around that. Okay. Just, just keep the course name. <laughs> <laughs> Syllabus, smillibus. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. He said, Tom, just keep the course name. And if you need to change stuff, just throw it in. Uh, that's great. Because if we change the course name, we're going to have to go through that whole goddamn approval process. And I thought that would probably be it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. So, oh, my gosh. Okay. So I don't really have anything else. I, I've done the compliments. I've done the commentary. And I've done the constructive criticism. So those are the three C's that I deal with on a daily basis. I'm just kidding. And I have COVID. So <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I've now I've now tested negative for it. So I'm very well, excited about that. Explains the mask on your microphone. Yeah, I'm keeping my mic safe just in case someone decides to rap later. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> oh, this spit shield's really keeping me from getting COVID. Um, uh, I will say the pop shield is specifically because I was told that I pop my pop my peas and that should help. But I don't think it will if I do a lot of that. Mm. Um, anyways, my, my point was that I, I think we could be done. Can I tell you about my most unique firing? Oh, my God. Yes, you can. And, and I'll tell you why. Because I can I guarantee there's about. 30 minutes of us just chit-chatting that has nothing to do with the podcast. It's not going to be in it. So although we have been going, we're a bit over, it's 100% going to be in. So so this is going to be the, uh, it's not going to be the after, the post-credit scene, like a Marvel movie. It'll be in it in the actual episode. 
but it'd be really funny if it was a post-credit scene. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, maybe it'll be a post-credit scene. <laughs> I thought you would get a kick out of it, Hugh. Okay, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. So I was, when I graduated from uh, journalism school at Humber College, uh, talk about a circle, um, I got a job at McLean's Magazine. At okay. the time, McLean's was going from this monthly journal to a bi-weekly news magazine format. So they yanked me in to run the wire room, which was just basically ripping paper off the teletype and all that oh stuff. So but, amazing. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, there I am in this environment with all of the gods of Canadian journalism. Right. You name a name, they were there. And the guy that was heading it up was Peter Newman. So after a couple of years, uh, they started inching me into writing. And so one day I'm writing a story on uh, recombinant DNA, which today is mRNA technology. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I'm writing away and in comes Peter Newman's secretary with this big stack of papers. Now I'm 25 years old. Okay. So let's put this in context, big stack of papers, plunks them on my desk and says, Peter needs you to come. Uh, <clears throat> no, it wasn't Peter it was Mr. Newman needs you to copy these now. Right. And I said, uh, Listen, I'm in the middle of something here. I'm, I'm working on a story. And really, I wasn't hired to be Mr. Newman's photocopier. Right. <clears throat> Ten minutes later, she comes down and says, Mr. Newman has suggested that uh, you leave us on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> Uh, amazing okay. <laughs> and it really and so like you were like I peter fired that, yeah they wound up that friday amazing yeah for not wanting to photocopy the uh i think it was the canadian establishment <laughs> <laughs> the irony Oh, the irony of it all. <laughs> well, that sort of gives you a sense of, you know, the kind of guy. You know, a big and if you if you had had done your, if you had written your story and it had been published, we would know so much more right now about mRNA vaccines. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was you the want, best. That's calling burying the lead. <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, from for your podcast, I think this is probably the most unique firing you're going to come across. <laughs> that is that is incredible. How long had you been working at McLean's at that point? Uh, two years. Well, here's the best part. Oh, uh, I got fired two weeks before I got married. Oh. So did you did you find a job shortly after that or after you got uh, married? About six months later. All right. I, I did a lot of freelance. It was good. A lot of fun. Yeah. Learned a lot. And I could tell you, telling people that you work for McLean's magazine, they didn't question what you did. They right. just... <laughs> well, I don't photocopy. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to photocopy? Ain't going to happen. <laughs> I actually, uh, you know, it's that's great. I, uh, my, um, my shortest employment was I got hired to work at a, a retirement home when I was <laughs> when I was seventeen. Uh -huh. it's, it's arbitrary. My mom, my mom was like, "You got it." I think I might have been eighteen or nineteen at this point, but I was, you know, my mom had arranged it. I did all the tests to to like go through it because you have to to be a caregiver. You got to do some stuff, uh -huh. and so I'd gone through all the tests, and uh, they accepted me, and I was going to start the job. And as I was driving to the job, 
my, my first day, I realized that if I walked in that door, that's what I would be doing for the rest of my life. That I would be working in, in a retirement home, cleaning bedpans, that maybe I'd figure out something that would allow me to, but that would, that would be it. That would be my job. And so I, I got off the highway at the next, I lived in Ottawa, so I was on the Queensway and I got off the highway at the next exit, turned back around and went home. And the um, manager called and he said, you, you, you didn't show up. Are you, are you just late? And I said, no, I'm not coming in. And it was, and it was like, they just said, you're quitting without starting. And I said, yeah, I'm not doing it. There was just in my, you know how you get a, a feeling in your heart where you're like, yep, this would be it. This would be the thing that, that would, I would be doing that. I, I pictured myself 30 years from then working in the same spot and I couldn't do it and I couldn't mm -hmm. do it. Yep. And I, I remember my mom was so mad at me, you know, she was so angry. She was like, I went out of my way to help you. What else are you going to do? And it, so now we're 30 years later and I, she's and still I, asking. Yeah. She's like, do you remember when you could have, <laughs> no, she's no longer, I, I should ask her whether or not she remembers that, but I remember she was super mad. And I, because, it, cause I really like the funny thing was, is I then took a job. Um, I, w I was road crew for someone who was blind riding across Canada and taking care of horses and stuff. And I, I lied about that and I, I got that job and I got to take care of horses and it was an amazing experience. Very weird, but yeah. it was because of she's, my mom had said, well, you got to find some job. And so I took the weirdest job I could find. And it was like this experience to see the world yeah. or see Canada at any rate. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, you know, that's one of the things I got out of doing what I've been doing for all these years. I've gotten to see the world. Yeah on other yeah. people's dimes. <laughs> well, yeah, I would. Yeah. I remember. Anyway, this is, uh, yeah. <clears throat> let me, let me do this. Tom, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for accepting the invite to, to talk to me today. Well, you're welcome. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. I hope your uh, listeners get something out of this and that we've talked about a rather important social subject in a manner that is not totally serious but probably got the lesson through well i think i think if you can you know i think if you are receptive to change change can happen oh that's been my entire career, Hugh. I embrace change. If it becomes status quo, I'm bored. Get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, Tom. Thanks, Hugh. This episode of Dismissed was produced by and is copyright of Hugh Elliott. Did you enjoy this episode and want to support the podcast? Head over to patreon.com forward slash Hugh Q Elliott, two L's and two T's. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month for behind the scenes, early releases, and even more content. Feel like you have a story to tell? Email Hugh dismissed at hughqelliot.com with the subject guest. Thanks for listening and have a fantastic day.